We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yesterday. Basically a tournament. If you play NBA DFS for four bucks hundred thousand dollars these are the tournaments you pretty much have to play every now and then even though we don't like those super top heavy payouts you got to give yourself a, a shot to play those we're going to spend a lot of time going over that the winners what the field did uh, all sorts of stuff on that and and basically uh you know i'm going to talk about uh, a couple of projections i thought not only uh, i think maybe roto grinders ourselves had wrong but very clearly i think every single professional player Maybe had wrong. Maybe I'm stupid and I think it's wrong, but uh, I think there were some very clear mistakes made by the field yesterday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about ownership. We'll look a little bit ahead to tonight's four-game slate. But for me, the majority of today, uh, we're going to spend talking about this 500K Mega Max. I see all you guys in chat, right? Did you guys play this on DraftKings last night? I hope you did. Uh, let me know if you did or not. I put in seven. I had 77 entries. Right, uh, I, I made seventy-five in, in uh, lineup HQ. Uh, put in two hand-built ones. I wanted to stack a couple of games, so I put those in. But let me know if you played this. Why did you play it? Why? Why didn't you? Because when you see these, right? FanDuel had that three-dollar. Uh, I think it was two days ago, right? And that was a really good tournament. You you have to play those type of things, where for just a couple of bucks you can win the hundred thousand. FanDuel had that. DraftKings likely saw it, right, and they're like, well, we're going to top that. They did it for four bucks last night with a 500k prize pool. So these are when you see these in the lobby, you have to play these type of tournaments as DFS players, right? Whether you're just a cash game grinder, um, you know, I prefer cash games, or you like other tournaments, you have to play these. Whether it's one lineup or 150 for these small buy-ins, you got to give yourself a chance. So uh, I want to make that clear, and uh, I, I want to move in first. Let's take a look at some ownership uh, across the lineup. Yeah, had Porter in every lineup. Let's talk about Kevin Porter, the highest, well, the second highest owned player across the industry last night uh, after Brad Wanamaker. Both, right? Both were like, we're just dumb. Why did we do this? But anyway, Kevin Porter, let's talk about him first, right? And I see you in chat. The dude 
goes to start the game doesn't have his jersey on. How do you how are you an NBA player and you don't have your jersey on to go into the game to start it, right? So he loses a couple of minutes there, stinks, and then he gets hurt and leaves the game later on with with, with an injury, right? So the double whammy of the stupidity of the player we roster to not have his freaking jersey on to start the game, then he sucks. And then he gets hurt in the middle of the game, right? So, like, multiple ways we all get screwed off Kevin Porter. Uh, if, if we go back and look at his projection last night, right, I think it was pretty good. You know, he had played a bunch of minutes beforehand. He had had some good games. He's taken a lot of shots. Um, not shooting completely hot or anything like that, contributing across the board. I think he was a pretty reasonable play. We had him projected at 32% on DraftKings. He ends up at 40%. You know, I think that's well within my range of errors um, for, for expecting ownership um, in, in this mega mini max. And I, I think he was a pretty good play in my opinion, right? We've seen it multiple times in recent games, especially with all the injuries. I think I think Porter was a fine play. I think we got unlucky with Kevin Porter. Uh, I want to spend some time on Brad Wanamaker because this dude has killed us time and time and time and time again this year when he gets into the starting lineup, right? He's he's just stunk for us so many times. He never gets there. He only gets there on the nights when you really don't expect him to, and yet we flock to him like a chalk donkey over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. This isn't even my hot take, by the way, on a player. I think our projections, and I think basically everybody's was off last night. We hit him for 32 minutes, 26 fantasy points. We are like, Britt, it's against Cleveland. Everybody's out. Brad Wanamaker, he has to come through for us. No, the dude never does. Um, I fell into this trap a little bit, right? So I played Wanamaker over the field. These are my entries in the mini last night. Um, uh, Devin, uh, if you want to put yourself on mute. Uh, so Wanamaker, right? I played him over the field. But I think every, like, I pulled up a bunch of good players here too, right? These are all good players. And we're all just, myself included, Raging Phillip won $100,000. He had 75% Raging Phillip, or 75% Brad Wanamaker. Brick 75, someone I consider a very good DFS player. Mr. Good Seats, Mazwa. These are all guys, right? I look at just about every day. We're all just idiots. Uh, you know, so if you play Wanamaker, uh, you know, I think we're all just chalk donkeys. The dude never gets there. I don't care what his situation is next time. Next time Kemba Walker's out and Wanamaker is going to be owned, I'm going to be under the field on Brad Wanamaker. I fell into this trap. Uh, and I, you know, in, the, the problem is even Raging Phillip with 76% Brad Wanamaker still wins this tournament. Uh, I don't know how, how, how can I do that? Maybe we'll, we'll take a look at what he did and something like that. But Looking back on last night's slate, I, I think Porter was good chalk, and I think Wanamaker was somewhat reasonably bad chalk, in, in my opinion, if I was looking at it. Um, hey, I, hey, look, I can call him out because I did the same thing too, right? Here, I did Brad Wanamaker. I'm overweight the field on Brad Wanamaker. I'm an idiot. I think we were all as a whole last night, you know, generally pretty silly playing Brad Wanamaker. Um, I want to talk about a guy. So let's see here. I'm going to put up the field's ownership and I'm going to scroll to a guy. There is a, another 
player who's 20% owned or higher here, right? So look at this screen here. There's only a couple of them. So we're going to go from Valentine up. 20% or higher, there is a player that I thought basically deserved almost zero ownership. Guys, who do you think it is? So I'm going to let you guys talk, uh, try to figure this out here. He's 20% owned or higher in this specific tournament. I thought he deserved near zero ownership. If you're smart, it should be pretty easy for you guys to figure out. But who do you guys think it is? And we're going to talk about why I think sometimes projections, they just, they rule everybody. They rule good players. They rule bad players. If you get a projection wrong on a guy who has, let's pretend he's supposed to score 30 fantasy points and you give him, and he's, he's a good value at 30. If you give him 35, he's going to basically be in every lineup. And if you give him 25, he's going to end up in none of your lineups, right? So really small, you know, one or two to even five fantasy point differences in projections basically can have humongous uh, outcomes in terms of your ownership if you're just playing the, the projections and not really thinking about it, not limiting things in lineup HQ or whatever optimizer you use, or if you are hand building teams. And I see Donnie, Donnie, congratulations. I don't have anything to give you, Donnie, but you are correct. It is Denzel Valentine without question. Uh, I have no idea what he is doing at 21% ownership last night. Um, no, I, I like smart. I thought smart was a pretty good play just with a lot of minutes. There's a lot of ways for him to get a lot of points, but Denzel Valentine at 21% ownership boggles my mind. Um, and I don't know if I'm wrong, maybe I'm dumb. Uh, but I think the field made a huge mistake here. I had 5%. I almost X'd him out of my final build, but I didn't have the the complete stones to do it. I was very underweight on Denzel Valentine. And I understand that, right? We were searching for a little bit of value, and I see good players. I see Raging Phillip, all of the players right here, right? Raging Phillip, he won. We'll look at his lineup in a second. Uh, Denzel Valentine, he's overweight on him. Brick 75 is basically equal weight, a little overweight. And then two players um, who I look at every day, Mr. Goodseats just plays his dudes and he plays a lot of them. That was one of his dudes last night. Uh, I think that was pretty egregious. And Mazwa as well, another, you know, what I would consider really good player, had himself a good high finish last night as well. Um, He was also extremely overweight. So why, why do I think this happened? One, I think I think the minutes and the fantasy point projection on him are just straight up wrong. Not only on uh, I think Rotor Grinders, we had him a little high, but I think it's also pretty clear, right, that everybody had him a little high, right? So it's not just us. I think it was basically everybody. So when when these things happen, and, and you can pick these out, but, right, you you got to look at this. So let's take a look at what happened. The game before, 21 minutes, you know, he shot hot from two. Um, you know, he took three, three po- or 10 three-pointers. You know, he was a little bit more involved in the offense, had a, a reasonably high usage. But, you know, last night, so I've got court IQ pulled up from last night. Um, you know, we had Lori Markinen was back into the lineup, right? That's a pretty big addition of a, a reasonably high usage player. We also had, hey, Otto Porter, and uh, we had 
Uh, what's his face? Wendell Carter. These guys are going to play a couple extra minutes too. These are good NBA players that are clearly going to get more usage, more time on the court. They're just going to steal minutes from the rest of the Bulls. And we saw that with Denzel Valentine last night, right? We saw Shaq Harrison, it, you know, it went to him. So if you played him, I still don't even think he was a great play. But Denzel Valentine, right, we, we could have just expected, even in a game where I think he was taking a lot of shots and playing pretty good and gets 27 DraftKings points, he still just played 20, 21 minutes the game before. He gets down to 18 minutes in this game, and it's just I, – I don't understand with Laurie Markkinen coming back, with Carter and Porter slated to take a couple more minutes, and those guys are high-usage players. Why – why was the field so high in Denzel Valentine? And I think it's just, it's groupthink, right? Roto-Grinders has, uh, you know, his minutes and his projection high. And other sites have his projection and his minutes high. And then everybody else, you know, a lot of other players, right, they factor in a bunch of different sites' projections and they make sure they're not too far off from them sometimes, right? And then their projections become probably a little bit too high too, right? So, I I just didn't see Denzel Valentine. He was a a player I took a stand on. You know, I I think I was right on this one. Um, I I just didn't see why he was 21% owned. This made no sense to me. Uh, Even our projected ownership, right? In theory, our projected ownership, we had him at 20%. We nailed the projected ownership. But I mean, it's just why I think everyone's just wrong. Why is Denzel Valentine so so highly owned last night. I didn't understand it. Um, so he's sort of a player I think you, you could have just gotten off of, right? When you see these players who maybe have one good game and then there's other good players coming back into it, why Why are we as a collective and even some of the better players out there, why are we playing Denzel Valentine last night? So this was sort of you know, a, a hot take I had. I know we're just searching for value, right? I, I got to jam in Luca, and I got to play Jason Tatum. And right, you, you need that. But these guys can just, when you're these high variance, not really good players, and the field is on them, and maybe in a best case scenario, you can give them 20 minutes. Like these guys, what do we have? Nine games last night, a nine game slate, and the field is jamming in a dude that's going to play 21 minutes at a best-case scenario. I mean, that's that's bad. Um, so those are sort of things you have to think about uh, on big slates. And he was a player I thought just really didn't deserve any ownership last night. Um, you know, Napier, I see a couple of you guys were talking about Napier. So Napier, right, we had Ish Smith was very likely to be out last night. Uh, I was actually pretty overweight Napier. This didn't work for me, surprisingly, right? Like, look at this. I had... Porter, Wanamaker, and I was overweight Napier, who all basically stunk, yet I I got back like three quarters of my money on this tournament last night for a couple of other reasons we'll talk about in a second. But uh, I like Napier. This didn't really work out, and you can see the field was pretty split, right? Um, You know, a lot of them were underweight. Brick 75, uh, he sort of agreed with me, was a little overweight on him, but I like Napier. It didn't really work out for him. Uh, His projection was pretty good. We gave him 30 minutes. Uh, He still only ended up with 26. Uh, You know, I thought he was probably going to play a little bit more with Ishao. It just didn't end up that way. Beal still steals a lot of usage, even uh, no matter who's on the court there for Washington. Uh, But he is a play that uh, I was a little higher on that definitely didn't work out for me. So uh, while while 
knock everybody else for, for playing Denzel Valentine, I got to hold myself accountable for this one as well. One of the things I thought was, was pretty silly is that like, I'll scroll down here, Brand, you know, Colin Sexton, let's find these Cavs players, Larry Nance, 23%, right? Why on earth are the, I know we hate playing the Cavs players, but we know these do, there's no one left on Cleveland. You could, if you locked all these Cleveland guys in the night before, you want all the money. And you basically could have done that again last night. There's just not enough players in Cleveland. They're all going to play a bajillion minutes. So if I go to Cleveland, outside of Kevin Porter, right, Chetty Osmond, who I think stinks, right, but he 43 minutes, right? I go to Colin Sexton, 45 minutes. I mean, these are crazy. Some of this was due to Porter Jr. getting hurt, but the game before, they all played 40 minutes. So, you know, our projections are 38 and 38 minutes. I thought the ownership on these guys, right, like we, we pretty much nailed it on the ownership. Larry Nance, 21%. Larry Nance, 23%. Boom. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Colin Sexton, 11%. Colin Sexton, 14%, 15%. I mean, that's well within what I would consider a, a range of air bars in, in trying to predict ownership. Dude, why? Why didn't we? Why did you guys like Cleveland? Did you guys not like Cleveland? They were just like, you could see here, Colin Sexton. This is why I made some money back. Colin Sexton, 33%. Uh, Larry Nance, I was overweight 35%. Um, I was underweight Brandon Knight, which was a guy who definitely hurt me and very likely a reason that both Raging Phillip and uh, Maswa had themselves good nights. But um, yeah, Cavs, I see in chat, stacking Cavs was the the smart play. I, I agree completely. I I was I wanted more, right? I wish I could have gotten more. I wanted to be overweight for sure. Nance and Sexton, I thought, were pretty much locks to outperform. And then you go find Kevin Love, right? I was overweight Kevin Love. I doubled him up. 8% ownership. Let's go find Kevin Love. We had Kevin Love at 7% ownership. So again, we basically nailed that as well. And I wanted to be more than Kevin Love because I thought he was an amazing play. How could you not want to play these Cavalier players last night? And this was just, I think, a big mistake by the field. I know we benefited a little bit from Kevin Porter being out. But, man, these guys will look so juicy. Uh, I wanted to be overweight. And this was, even, even though I stunk up here and I stunk here and I stunk here, I was able to get a, a respectable amount of money back because basically the, the Cavs teams were just so good and nobody was on them that it gave me a couple of reasonably good finishes and I was able to claw back and get some money back. So, you know, players that you normally don't like, but when the situation, there's literally nobody on Cleveland. Dude, guys, we've got to look at this. you got to play these players. Um, so these are two very different situations, right? Valentine had players coming back and high ownership. That was an avoid, right? And then Cleveland had all these players out, and yet nobody's playing them because all season long, right, we didn't want to play the Cleveland players. So we're just not going to play them tonight. And I, I think that was a big mistake by a lot of people. So there's a couple of uh, ideas on ownership, on projections. Um, don't always think with the crowd. Be able to think for yourself a little bit. If you're just playing the same projections and lineup HQ as everyone else, you're going to end up with the same lineups as everybody else. So Give a little bit of thought to yourself. Give a little bit of thought when you're hand-building teams. 
and I think you'll be able to, to differentiate if you can, you know, identify a couple of situations that make absolutely no sense for Denzel Valentine. You know, we had him at 20%. He ends up at 21%. Just a, a very easy fade, in my opinion. And then the, the Cavalier guys last night. I wish I would have played more, but these were very clear overweight players, right? And very easy. Like Sexton wasn't even expensive. Love wasn't expensive. Larry Nance, right? He just, every time he plays like 40 minutes, he posts monster games, yet we're only playing on 23% of the time, right? So just think about it. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to always apply last night's strategies to tonight, but it's not just for tonight. It's for the future. Uh, think for yourself a little bit. Don't be a projection slave, even if Roto-Grinders and if every other site has a certain guy at 20% ownership and he's definitely going to score 24 fantasy points. Think about it, right? And if you come with a disagreement, take some stands, and that's how you're able to get yourself a little bit of differentiation in the field. Uh, all right, so enough of all of that. Let's go take a look at a couple of winning lineups because we're going to talk about a rule I did last night. So I'm going to pop up a group that I made on Lineup HQ last night. So, guys, tell me what this group is. What did, I, what did I do with this group, and why did I make it? Um, I think I had 19 or 20 players in here. You can see the players I had. You can see what I did. What am I trying to accomplish with this group in Lineup HQ, right? I'm, I'm MMEing. Uh, this isn't just your normal DraftKings tournament. This had like 140,000 people in it. What, what am I trying to accomplish here, right? Uh, you guys tell me, and I'll see if any of you guys can get the correct answer. I'll ask, answer a couple of questions in here, too, while you guys figure this out. Um, yeah, so, like, Mike's like, hey, why didn't I hit the lock button, right? Because I don't think there was – I don't ever really lock a player unless he's, like, a 10x ultra value and he's going to be, like, 70% on. That's just not how I play tournaments. Um, I didn't have a single player, I think, over. Let's see here. Let me go back here. Um, results db let me get back to this real quick i don't think i had a player over 65 percent last night right i just didn't think it was the slate for it right and normally sometimes i'll have guys i'll have two or three guys 100 percent ownership i just didn't think that was the slate last night i like a little bit of variety right um so you can see my ownerships here i had a pretty um, diverse portfolio, basically going for first in this extremely large field tournament was, was sort of my strategy. Uh, so let's go back to this, right? So, um, yeah, so a couple of you guys got this right. Low ownership. Why, why did I want low ownership? So I basically took a bunch of guys that I thought were going to be reasonably low-owned that had upside, right? I, I don't think you can argue against any of these players, right, for the ability to have a good outcome last night. And uh, the reason, you know, I had all these guys is they're all low-owned. And I wanted at least two to three of them in every single lineup because last night's tournament, you're not just beating 1,000 people. You're not just beating 5,000 people or 10,000 people or 25,000 people or 50,000 people or 100,000 people. You had to beat 140,000 people last night to try to get first place. And when these tournaments come up, you know, DraftKings isn't going to stop running these. 
FanDuel is going to run those. They're, they're successful tournaments when you can give the low um, buy-in player a chance to win $100,000. These are pretty successful tournaments around the industry. So you're going to continue to see these. So looking at a couple of the top lineups, Raging Phillip, Duncan Robinson, Nicole Vucevic, right? Two low-owned players that have upside on every single given night. Duncan Robinson was 4,100, I think, right? Let's go find Duncan Robinson. So we had Robinson at 16% owned, right? So this was what I would consider a miss on our ownership. He comes in at 6%, right? So we're more than 2x off his ownership. I consider that a miss. But, right, that was basically because we had a projection that was reasonably good for him with a high point per dollar. So if you actually listened to lineup HQ last night, you would have gotten uh, more Robinson than the field. I can assure you on that. So what makes Robinson, what makes him a good player to include? Why did Raging Phillip win? Well, because he can play, you know, he can play these mid thirties minutes. He's a shooter, right? And the, the key is right. He took, look at what he did. He took 12 field goal attempts last night and every single one was a three pointer. Well, Hey, last I knew on DraftKings, you get an extra half a point for three pointers. And when he knocks in 75% of them, this is what happens. He scores 27 points, basically all on threes and absolutely dominates a, a game, you know, a, a fantasy potential at 4,100 because he's that three-point shooter, right? So I think Robinson was a good player to have in some of your lineups last night. So that makes sense um, from Raging Phillip. And I don't think I really need to talk about Vucevic, right, who as a low-owned play, no one was on him last night, and this is, like, this is what he does. He's the safest player I think you can take in basically – uh, uh, cash games, although he doesn't really get a lot of cash game ownership because you're you're min-maxing a lot there. But he has the ability to not just get you 45. He can get these mid-50s on any given game, right? And Aaron Gordon's back. And why are we going to play Nicole Vucevic? Well, this is why you play Vucevic, because he wins you $100,000 because nobody's playing. Um, surrounded by Brandon Knight, who was a good play I didn't have enough of. Um, he hits on Colin Sexton. Uh, you know, I'm poo-pooing Denzel Valentine ends up in the winning lineup. So I guess I can't really fault Denzel Valentine, right? Uh, and then Nas Reed, who had some ownership, uh, can't have a big game, was coming off a big game. And Larry Nance, right? A couple of Cleveland guys just play a lot of minutes. This is a great lineup from Raging Phillip. And no surprise that this lineup wins $100,000. Um, let's look at this guy, Roto-Grinders member, just 10 entries last night. Uh, let's take a look at his lineup. So what did he do? He Obviously doesn't have any of the ultra chalk plays. He's got Kevin Love in here. He's got Colin Sexton. He's got Larry Nance, right? He played those dudes that just made a lot of sense to play and mixed it in. Jason Tatum, Kobe White, um, Mo. I think Mo was a little bit thin, but at 3,200, it's not going to completely kill you. Gets himself into second place there. Great lineup. Uh, I got no problems with that one. Let's take a look at Fish417, right? Gallinari, uh, I've talked how Gallinari can never win you a tournament. I guess that holds still. He almost won him a tournament um, with 38. That's that's close to a ceiling game from Gallinari. But again, low ownership, low ownership, low ownership, low ownership. This is also, this is like two games in a row. Like I set a rule to not play Nas and James Johnson in the same lineup. They basically, one's on the court, one's off the court. 
So I don't think I would ever play these two in the same lineup. But this is now two games in a row. They've both come through with good fantasy performances. But one of the keys, this is why I had that group of low-owned players, because you're not just playing against your normal, like, 20,000-person, you know, $15, 100K to first tournament on DraftKings. You had to beat 140-something thousand people last night. So let's take a look at Hug a, Hug a Tree, right? Uh, MME player. What's what's the key here, right? Lonzo Ball, Trevor Ariza, two low-owned 10% or less players that have a good game. Uh, let's go find uh, – where was Maswa? I saw him in here, right? Another good player. Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love, Julius Randle, three low-owned plays that have a good game. Uh, you know, from, from the MME players, let's find another one here. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. But Kevin Love, Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans, this is this is what you have to do to beat 135,000 people. That's why I had the group. When these tournaments pop up, try to think like that, people. You're going to become a, a better, large, large, large field. These are the biggest fields we've seen in NBA DFS this year. You have to play these differently than you normally do. Um, Look at what lineups win. Look at the ownerships. Try to incorporate that into your builds. You guys got any questions on what I'm talking about here? Anything you want to look at on exposures? Um, Any players you thought were good plays that the field wasn't on? Any other players you thought were donkey plays? Let me know. Anything from last night before we move on to tonight a little bit? And and we'll have some fun thinking about last night a little bit because it was a, a really interesting slate. Um. You know, I think if you thought about Wanamaker, maybe you could have gotten off of him. That was a, a bad decision on my part to have a little bit more than the field. Uh, I think Valentine was a pretty easy way to get away from the field. And I thought those Cavs players were just really good here. Um, uh, Mr. Tillman, Herbert, what is the best 50-50 play 20 entries? Explain to me a little bit more. What are you asking for? I don't understand what you're asking. Um, rephrase your question and and I will try to help you out there. Um, My player pool, uh, I don't know. So I think it was around 51, something like that, which is usually a little bit more um, than I I play. So why did I, you guys try to tell me, why did I play more players than I normally do last night, right? If I was going to play 75 entries, I would probably, you know, in the normal DraftKings tournament have about a 40 person player pool. I expanded that last night for a couple of reasons. Let me see if you guys can can try to tell me why. Uh, let's see. Stars or scrubs or more even build last night? Uh, I think both would have worked, right? Luca, right, was your star. And, I mean, you could still get in Vuk, 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 and you can get in Sexton, and you can get in Nance, right? The mid-tier builds did pretty well last night, too. You really needed Luca after that overtime game, right, when he gets to 73, you got to have a lot of them. Um, but uh, I think either way could have worked last night. In, in the end, you really needed Luca, right, when the game goes to overtime and he's just 10-9, uh, even at high ownership, he was a guy you pretty much had to have. Uh, what is your mindset for playing uh, higher-end single entry with 700 to 1,000 people? So those, let's let's find one of those real quick, and we'll, we'll talk about last night. So let me go to um, just to results DB. DB. Let's take a look. Um, 
at a higher end single entry from last night. So let's see here, buy-in, let's find a high buy-in with a reasonable amount of entries. It's not a double up. All right, so the pick and roll, right? So let's take a look at the pick and roll. What you're gonna see here is the ownership's gonna really, actually here, what I'm gonna have to do is go to the ownership and let's find the pick and roll and we'll compare it to the Mega Max. So what's gonna happen in the pick and roll? I can pretty much tell you every night is all the ultra chalk plays become higher owned, right? And you can see this immediately compared to the field. Everything is green on the high end and everything's yellow here. Um, so what happens is the higher owned players, if you're playing the single entry, with just one become chalkier. They just, every play gets more ownership. If you're going to play a guy in the large field tournament and he's going to be high owned and our projections are basically, they're more geared towards your average, you know, $15 large field MME sort of tournament on DraftKings, you know, maybe like a three max. There's, there's a lot of formulas on the back end, right? I don't know exactly how it works, but it's more geared towards sort of the large field um, skew on ownership. So when you know, you play these the $12 single entry or something like that, right? The chalky plays just get higher owned. Well, yeah, it's not high end, right? But you wanted entries, right? So this is like 4,000 entries. This is what I got for you. They don't really have a, a high end tournament. And it's just going to be the same thing. It's just going to get, right? If I go to, um, let's see here, let me find one. max entries. If I find the showtime, right? If I go put the showtime in here, let's see. So let's do pick and roll and let's find showtime. It's just going to get chalkier. This is what happens, right? As you move up in stakes and you condense the entries, right? It's very, this happens night after night after night. People just play the chalk more and more and more. Uh, and here's what happens. A lot of people just put their cash team into these things. So if you know what, if you're on the lineup optimal train and secret chat, right, don't play that in the for in the in the high entry, single entry. You know, I would imagine probably like five to ten percent of the field, if not more, simply just chucks their cash team into this. Bad idea. Um, if you're the best cash game player in the world, maybe it's a good idea. Um, but you should pretty much never ever play that, I think, in these. And you just use a little bit of game theory, right? Instead of playing Kevin Porter who goes way up in ownership, you just play, maybe you play Shabazz Napier, who's at much lower ownership, right? Who, even though his ownership increases, it's, you know, much different than Kevin Porter. And you only need like maybe two to three swerves. You don't have to play the, you know, you don't have to play the Bam Adebayos in these, the 3% guys, but you should really have what you would consider, I, I would say two, you know, 10 to 20% on guys pretty much on your single entry team. If not, maybe three with one of them being a little bit lower on, right? You can play the chalk, but you could just swerve on like one or two spots and think about leverage. Think about like if you knew Denzel Valentine was going to be over 25% owned in this, 
I can guarantee you I would not have Denzel Valentine on my single entry team, right? So look for a leverage spot. Try to figure out who's going to be uh, the highest owned players that have a good chance of busting, right? If you think Wanamaker, right? I know he's cheap, but he's never come through, right? And I know he makes your lineup look good, but he's he's never come through when he starts. Um, could you fade him in this? I think that was a pretty reasonable thing. You know, fading Luca when he's 10-9, you know, I agree with that ownership. Playing Tatum, I agree with that. Um, but just try to think of guys who have, a, have ways to fail or who can fail and just find a way to swerve off of those on your higher-end single entry. Don't play your cash team unless your cash team's got a couple of low-owned guys. Um, probably shouldn't. But uh, that would be my advice for basically any single entry, whether it's the pick and roll or whether you're moving up in stakes. That's how, how I would tend to play it. Um, all right, let's go on to tonight. I haven't spent uh, – all right, we're going to go forward in time here. I made some cool sound effects. Don't forget, if you ever want to look back at the night before, go into lineup HQ, You know, pull up results DB. You can see what our ownership is. You can see what our projections are. You can even go back and remake teams you know, doing, doing whatever you want right here. Just click March 4th. That's last night. I'm going to go ahead to into tonight's slate. Don't forget you can do this. It's a fun way to look back and, and have some fun. So let's go take a look at tonight. So our ownership is in, it wasn't in earlier and, and maybe we can try to see what's going on here tonight. So I know there are some injury concerns, right? Toronto, in Charlotte, um, Philadelphia. Well, we know who's out in Philadelphia, but we, we got to kind of see how the injury bug plays out tonight. But one of the first things, right, I always like to do is I like to see who the high-owned guys are and is there a high-owned player that I think has a, a way to fail um, easier than his ownership. And right? Westbrook, right? And he's just 10,000, right? He was 10-1. He was 10-2. He was 10K in his last game. This was against the Knicks. Now he's against the Clippers. You can bet that you are going to get full. No, James Harden was not at the strip club last night. Um, You know, Kawhi Leonard was not there in his new balances last night. These teams are giving 100% effort tonight in this game. I can all but guarantee you on this one. Um, so, so I like Westbrook. Does he deserve to be 47% ownership? I don't know. Does he, you know, Harden's basically right at it too. You're probably going to have to choose between one of them. If, if the gap widens between one of these two, if one becomes more owned than the other by a significant margin, I would probably just swerve to the other one. But uh, I don't, I don't see anything egregious at the, at the top of this board. Westbrook versus Beverly defense. Let's go find this uh, NBA head to head. I'm gonna let's see how Westbrook's done uh, against. Um, what is that? That's on the basketball reference. Let's go see what what we got here, guys. Um, all right, Westbrook. I don't want to hear about Patrick Beverly defense. Uh, Beverly. Well, these guys hate each other too. So Westbrook in his last game against Patrick Beverly, 40 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Hmm. That, that sounds pretty good. Uh, the game before that. All right. Maybe, maybe you guys are onto something. 22 points, five rebounds, six assists. Not great. Um, the game before that, this was only 30 minutes. So I'm not going to read too much into that. 
it's not like I mean, there's a lot of big games from Westbrook. There's a couple of stinkers, but generally, uh, he has a hit. He has he has okay games. I'm not really worried about that too much tonight. Uh, let's see here. Highest owned for tonight's slate. Currently, we have Westbrook, Van Vliet, um, Harden, Jokic. Right. So a lot of high priced players, and then Van Vliet, the value play. Um, should he end up suiting up tonight? So let's see. What's Van Vliet doing? He was out in the last one. We got to see what he does. But if he plays and it's against his normal minutes, right, with Seth Curry coming back a little bit tonight, right, maybe Curry can keep this game a little closer. It's an eight-point spread. Um, You got to see how that does. Um, Yeah, Jokic, uh, always a good play. The one thing, right, so with Plumlee, you know, Jokic was great when he was playing 37 and 34 and 35 minutes consistently. Um you know, he doesn't really get there all too often. I think there are some reasons why or why not. But basically, you know, you can project him for 32 or 33 minutes. I don't really think you can give Jokic much more than 33. So I sort of agree with this. But, yeah, he, he's a great play. And just 9.5K, he has the ceiling, right? You can see the smash pretty close to his ownership. Uh, I, I think he's a, a reasonably fine play. I don't really see anything too egregious uh, on the high ownership currently that really warrants me wanting to take a stand. Beverly, he's 3,600, but he's just, with this team fully healthy, I just, I don't know. There's no usage. There's no peripheral statistics basically at all anymore from him. I don't know if he's still hurt. Um, It doesn't make sense for him to play hurt. He's probably going to play more a little bit tonight against Harden, against Westbrook. But I, I don't know. But, but like we're we're just jamming it in because we want to. But when you're jamming in a guy that gets you 15 fantasy points, it's still you're not going to win a tournament like that. Tucker's another one, very inconsistent, right? If you get the 33 fantasy point game, great. If you get the 12, I mean that's what you deserve for getting PJ Tucker or something like that. So there's just not a lot of things I I truly disagree with. I understand Beverly and Tucker because we're value hunting. Um, I like Zeller a little bit. I, I expect his minutes to maybe pop up just a little bit more. Um, I, I'm expecting him to draw the start again too, by the way. Um, they're doing this thing in Charlotte. They play a couple of guys one game, a couple of guys the next sit one of the centers. So if he pops up to the 22, 23 minutes, I think Zeller's still a, a pretty good play. They're going to need some size out there against Jokic. I don't see anything egregious uh, in, in the ownerships right now. Maybe maybe Eric Gordon. I just I don't care. I just don't have interest playing Eric Gordon. Uh, I know I know he's cheap and I know at some price is one of the most important things, but I don't know. If you if you get like 15 from a dude, you're not really gonna win a tournament too often, even on a four game slate. So uh, don't really see anything too egregious on tonight. You guys have any favorite plays for tonight? Um, shoot me shoot me a couple things in the YouTube and let me know if there's somebody you want to talk about. Uh, well, that catches up. Don't forget, I got my sharp side hat on. Go get the streak going on over there. Uh, Luca, I had some unders on Luca on sharp side last night. Obviously, that did not work out uh, once that game went into overtime. But uh, you get a couple of locks in a row. You get up to five. You start winning free cash. Uh, give it up. You got to become a better sports better if you want to stick around in, in sort of this landscape over the next couple of years. So you can do it for free on sharp side. Get your streak going. Uh, don't have a lock yet. Um, one of the keys, right? If you want to cheat the system, as soon as injuries come out, go hit a lock button on one of those other ones, and that'll sort of get you a little uptick on the locks if you want to cheat the system over a chart side. Uh, giving you a little hint there. Uh, let's see, Van Vliet, uh, is he playing? We don't know yet, right? So we've got him projected in. 
if he's out and we get news, we'll take him out. But uh, I think we pretty much always project guys in unless we have a very good reason to project them out until we get news early in the day. Um, let's see. Yeah, Tucker, right? He gets minutes and he's gonna like he's gonna have some open shots because the Clippers are definitely gonna try to lock down Westbrook and Harden. Uh, he's still PJ Tucker. I, I wouldn't. I don't mind him. Uh, you got to see where the ownership ends up on these cheap plays. Um, Curry and Wiggins, let's bring them up tonight. Uh, I haven't looked at Curry, right? 25 minutes, he's 8K. I think he's – I would not play Steph Curry on DraftKings. I would completely X him out of my build at 8K. Uh, on FanDuel, though, I believe it's a different story. Let me see. I think I heard something. He's oh, – oh, no, he's still 8K over on FanDuel, too. Uh, I don't think I'd have too much – thoughts on Curry and of course he's going to take away from Wiggins a little bit and the sites didn't really adjust Wiggins right he's still 7600 7600 he's had a couple of good games but you know his shot attempts you know it's going to go from 2019 and 16 to like 14 14 and 15 so he's someone I'm not all too interested in should have low ownership on DraftKings tonight five percent so if you're trying to play ownership maybe Um, but I, I would certainly play Wiggins over Curry, and I don't even think that's a question tonight. Uh, let's see. You guys got anyone else tonight? Who else you want to talk about? Uh, the Raptors today. Let's go take a look at them. So a lot of this depends. Hey, is Ibaka going to play? Is Van Vliet going to play? Right. If they play, I think they're reasonably good plays. If they don't play, right, you can just – Pascal, we saw him last game, 43 minutes, right, 52 fantasy points. You can play them. And Lowry, you can play OG, you can play Powell. Um, Boucher is always very tough. Is Gasol going to play, right? I think he's he's going to come back today. It's, it's a very fluid situation. I wouldn't really worry too much about the Toronto situation until it's like 5 o'clock. I'm not really going to put too much thought into that. Um, let's see here. The Clippers, yeah. So the Clippers, I like Paul George, right? This is going to be a good game. He is, he's a little too cheap. His ceiling, I know everybody's healthy and they have a lot of bodies, but if like this game's close and let's go find court IQ on the Clippers, they don't play a ton of close games because they're just so good. Um, You know, and they don't even need to play. You can see they just like sit everybody sort of to close a lot of their games if he plays 32 minutes tonight, Paul George looks pretty juicy. Uh, he has some ownership, but he can he can certainly give you 50 fantasy points, absolutely no problem. Uh, I, I, George looks pretty good. I think Harrell. I don't know, like it, it's really weird because the Clippers can match the Rockets in the, in the small ball stuff, but Harrell has the ability to post these big games every now and then. Uh, I, I wouldn't hate him, especially if he's going to have ultra low ownership. I think his price is really going to keep the ownership down. He'd be very interesting if he stays around 1% owned. Um, but, yeah, I'm sticking with Kawhi, Paul George, Harrell, um, with, with George easily being my, my favorite clipper. But, hey, the field's pretty smart. They figure this out as well. Um, all right, I, I think I'm going to put an end to the show here in a second. Uh, if you're on the YouTube before you head out of here, click the like button. We really appreciate it. helps us uh, move us around on YouTube, gets more people finding the show and the more viewers we have, the more likes you get, the more we're able to provide free content like this and grinders live to you. So click the like button. We would really appreciate that on your way out. Find sharp side, um, go get some lock bets in 
And uh, again, just guys when when these big, large field, not just normal large field, biggest fields we've seen in DFS happen on DraftKings and on FanDuel, just think about them a little differently than you normally would your whatever normal tournament is that you play. You have to get low ownership. You have to think about leverage so much more when you're trying to beat hundreds of thousands of people compared to trying to beat 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000. These are that FanDuel tournament two days ago was very popular and sold out. There was a little bit of overlay, but DraftKings still did rake this. So maybe next time they run it back as a 450 or a $400,000 tournament. Just remember this, right? Think about it a little bit differently. You're probably going to lose anyway. So try to win, mix in some low ownership because you got to do some weird things, just like in the Millionaire Maker. You know, when I do that article, you got to have low ownership to be able to win those generally. You have to have low ownership generally to win a 135,000 person NBA tournament. That's going to do it for today. Make sure to tune into Grinders Live and Crunch Time uh, later today. Thanks to all you for watching. I'm Britt, and we out you.